Bible, we're there in Genesis chapter number 27, and we are continuing a series entitled The Patriarchs. We're studying the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and we've uh, basically went through the life of Abraham, and we've dealt uh, a little bit with Isaac, and we're transitioning into the lives of, of Jacob, and uh, we're dealing with uh, Jacob and Esau tonight, and Jacob and Esau, as you already know, there's a lot of scripture about their lives and a lot of things we've talked about, but this right here, uh, this chapter, is probably the most famous chapter, the most famous story when it comes to the story of Jacob and Esau. And uh, what, what I want to highlight for you tonight, and I, I want to show you, this family, as, you, as we read the passage, you might have noticed, or just as you read the Bible, you may have noticed, this family is kind of a dysfunctional family, all right, just to give it a modern term. These people are not functioning together uh, properly, and we can learn some lessons on how to avoid dysfunction in our own lives by learning from the mistakes of these people. And I want to just go through the four characters, Isaac, Rebecca, uh, Jacob, and Esau, and show you how they were contributing to the dysfunction of this family and things that you and I ought to avoid in, in the dysfunction of our own family. So uh, you're there in Genesis 27, look down at verse number 1. The Bible says this, And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son. Remember, he had two twins, and one was born before the other. Esau was born before Jacob. So Esau is the eldest son or the older son. But keep in mind, these are twin boys. I mean, one was born a minute before the other one. And he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here, I, here am I. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the days of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. So he's asking him to go out and, and, and hunt deer and bring it back and make him a meal, look at verse 4, and make me savory meat such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat. And notice what he says, that my soul bless thee before I die. So he's telling him, I'm getting ready to die. Now here's the thing. Isaac actually doesn't die for many, many years after this. I mean, decades after this, uh, before Isaac dies. But he's getting older. He's losing his eyesight. And he says, you know what? I want to bless you before I die. And he basically wants to ensure the fact that the blessing goes to the son that he wants it to go to. He wants it to go to Esau. Look at verse 5. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat. And notice, bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go not to the, uh, go not to the flock, and fetch me uh, from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. We're going to talk about Rebecca here in a minute. She devises this plan to try to uh, help Jacob steal the blessing from Esau. Look at verse 10. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. So Isaac says, I want to bless Esau. Rebekah says, no, no, I want Jacob to be blessed, and they devise this plan. Now, here's what I want you to see. If you skip down to verse number 26, and we're going to come back and, and hit the verses that we're skipping here, but if you skip down to verse 26, you actually see the blessing that Isaac ends up giving Jacob. Now, you need to keep in mind, Isaac is blessing Jacob, but he thinks he's blessing Esau, all right? Because remember, the story is that Jacob deceives and fools his father into thinking that he was Esau. We're going to see that here in a minute. But, uh, but the blessing that's given is meant for Esau. 
Isaac thinks he's talking to Esau, even though he's actually giving it to Jacob. Look down at verse 26. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelt the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, Jacob, but he thinks it's Esau, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field, which the Lord hath blessed. Because Jacob put on some clothes that were lying around there in the house that belonged to Esau. So he smelled like Esau. Look at verse 28. Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven, and of the fatness of the earth, and of the plenty of corn and wine. Notice verse 29. Let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. I want you to make note of that uh, phrase there. Be Lord over thy brethren, and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be everyone that blesseth thee. Now, when, when I grew up in Sunday school, and we were taught this story in Sunday school class, you always kind of taught this story as Jacob being the villain. And Jacob is a villain. We're going to talk about that. And then sometimes you'll hear preaching, and they'll involve Rebecca in that, because Rebecca's the one that initially set this plan in motion. And Rebecca's the bad one, and Rebecca is bad. But I want you to notice that in this dysfunctional family, every character is bad. There's not one character that's doing anything right in this story. They're all dealing in the flesh. Now, just, you know, just looking at it and just reading the passage, you might think, well, what is Isaac doing wrong? You know, he just wants to bless his son. He just wants to uh, give him a blessing, and he gets strict and deceived. But here's the problem with the blessing that Isaac gives Jacob thinking he's giving it to Esau, or the blessing that Isaac intends to give to Esau, is that that is not a blessing that, is, uh, that he has the authority to be able to give. This is not something that God willed for the, son of his, uh, for the life of his son Esau. You're there in Genesis 27. Flip a couple of pages back to chapter 25. Genesis 25. Look down at verse number 21. Remember when Rebekah uh, was, was with child with Jacob and Esau, and she entreated of the Lord. In fact, let's just read it together. Genesis 25, look at verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah's wife conceived. And the children struggled within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. So she's got these twins in her womb, and they're wrestling inside of her womb, and it's making her feel really bad. And she goes to, to God and says, God, what's going on? And she entreated, inquired of the Lord. Look at verse 23. And the Lord said unto her, now don't miss this, the Lord said unto her, this is God speaking to Rebekah while the children are yet in her womb. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And notice what he says. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people. Notice what God says. And the elder shall serve the younger. Now, who's the elder? Esau. Who's the younger? Jacob. According to God, who was supposed to serve or whose descendants were supposed to serve the other's descendants? He said, the elder shall serve the younger. That's God's will. That's what God wanted done. From the womb, it was clear to Rebekah, and I'm sure to Isaac, that it was God's will that the elder Esau, his people, and the nation that comes from him would serve the younger Jacob and his people and the ones that would come to him. But notice what Isaac says to who he thinks is Esau when he gives him the blessing. Go back to Genesis 27. Look at verse 29. Let, let people serve thee. Genesis 27, 29. Let people serve thee, that's okay, and nations bow down to thee, that's okay. But notice what he says. He thinks he's talking to Esau, and he says, be Lord over thy brethren. Who is that? Jacob. 
Esau is uh, Isaac is telling Esau, I want you to be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Now you say, well, what's wrong with that? Here's what's wrong with that. God already told them that the elder shall serve the younger. And see, what you see in this dysfunctional family is you see Isaac as a father attempting to push his agenda unto his son. See, Isaac so wanted it, and and we already saw it in Genesis 25. We won't go back there. But you know the problem with this family is that the Bible tells us Isaac loved Esau while Rebekah loved Jacob, and you've got parents playing favorites here. And Isaac decided in his mind, I don't care what God says. I don't care what prophecy was given to Rebekah. I don't care that God said the elders shall serve the younger. I want Esau to be the one that gets served by Jacob, and he attempts to give him a blessing that just doesn't belong to him. There's another aspect to this. You're there in Genesis 27. Look at verse 29. Notice what he says at the end of verse 29. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Now that ought to sound familiar to you if you've been studying the life of Abraham with us because that's a phrase that's been used all throughout the lives of both Abraham and Isaac. Let's look at it together. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter number 12. Look at verse number 1. Now this is found many times in the book of Genesis. We're just going to look at the first time. Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 1. Notice what the Bible says. Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says this. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country. This is when God first called Abraham. Get thee out of thy country and from my kindred and from thy father's house unto a land which I shall show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Notice verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee. This is a famous passage in scripture. Uh, You know, if you go to Bible college and you get a theology degree, they teach you. This is known as the Abrahamic covenant. This is a covenant that God made with Abraham where God blessed Abraham and he told him that I would bless your descendants. And God, listen to me, God said to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now here's the thing. God gave that blessing to Abraham. And as you go on through the life, you know that you never see Abraham give that blessing to Isaac? Yet Isaac received that blessing. You know who he received it from? God. God, later on, as Isaac becomes a man, God goes to Isaac and gives him the same blessing. But look, but look, Isaac does not allow God to go to Jacob and just give him that blessing, although eventually God will go to Jacob and give that blessing. Isaac decides to take it in his hands, and I'm going to give the Abrahamic covenant to Esau, although God did not choose Esau, God chose Jacob to carry on that covenant. And you know what we see? We see a father who's pushing his agenda onto his son. We see a father who has a dream, who says, I want Esau to be the chosen one. I want Esau to be. He he, he looks at at Esau. He says, I want Esau to be like I was with Abraham. And he says, I want him to be the one that's blessed. I want him to be the one that's used. I want in the New Testament, when we refer back to the patriarchs, I don't want them to say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I want them to say Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. And I'm going to take it upon myself to give him a blessing that he had no authority to give. And you know, in dysfunctional families, you know what you'll find? You'll find a mom. Or you'll find a dad who choose to live through the lives of their children. And listen to me. We need to be very careful not to impose our will 
or to put onto our children the things that we desire for them. Often, you know, in ministry, you get this to, you, and, I, and I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to ask you to help me with this. Often in ministry, there's this uh, pressure that's put on preacher's kids, you know, PKs. And, and there's this idea that, you know, well, your, son, your, your dad's a pastor, so you got to grow up and be a pastor. You know, I never tell my boys, you got to grow up and be a pastor. you got to grow up and be a preacher. I've got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, and right now, you know, I think they just want to be astronauts. And I, I think we all wanted to be that when we were eight, right? Nine and, and ten. And, and here's the thing. I'd love for them to be pastors one day. I'd love for them to be preachers. I'd love to be able to train them in ministry. But, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, we need to be careful when it comes to parenting. Our job as parents is to prepare our children for the future, but to not push them. And you see this so often, you know, where, well, you've got to play this sport because I played that sport growing up. Or you've got to go to this college because that's the college that I graduated from. Or you've got to go into this career. Or you've got to do this. Or you've got to do that. And listen to me, Mom. And listen to me, Dad. Isaac was making a big mistake here when he had a dream for Esau. That just wasn't the dream that God had for Esau. And it wasn't the will that God had for Esau. And he said, I don't care. And here's what he does. He, he, he creates this secret meeting. He's not even going to die for like 40 years. But he says, hey, Esau, I'm going to die soon. Don't tell anybody. Let's have a secret meeting. And let's, uh, you know, let's get you the blessing before everybody knows. It. And by the way, let me say this. Anything you're doing in secret is probably wrong. If you've if you got to do it behind closed doors, if, you gotta lie, if, 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 you're, if you're afraid your wife's going to overhear, it's probably not right. And we see Isaac here pushing his agenda onto his son. And here's what's interesting. Later on in the story, just, just flip back, uh, flip over to uh, Genesis 28. Look at verse number 3. Later on, once the whole thing is found out and he knows that he's actually been tricked and that it was, uh, it, it was Jacob who he blessed, he ends up having to Go ahead and give him the blessing. Notice what he says, Genesis 28, look at verse 3. This is Jacob speaking to Jacob, knowing that it's Jacob. He says, and God Almighty bless thee, and make thee fruitful, and multiply thee, that thou mayest be a multitude of people, and give thee the blessing of Abraham. Talking to Jacob. To thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land, when thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. I'm just trying to tell you tonight, when it comes to raising our children, our job is to prepare them. For the future. Our job is to prepare them for marriage, for careers, for whatever that may be, but we need to be careful not to push them into areas that it's really not something they desire to do. It's just something that we, well, we just decide, when I had a son or when I had a daughter, I just knew that they had to follow in my footsteps. And dysfunctional families will often be dysfunctional because you've got a parent that's pushing the children and pushing the children. And I'm all for pushing them educationally. I'm all for bringing them along and trying to teach them and prepare them. But be careful that we don't force them to go into areas that we just think, even when it's clear, even when you've heard from heaven that this may not be the will for your son. You know, and if my, if my son, one of my sons decided, you know, I just don't want to be a pastor. I, I want to uh, serve at Verity Baptist Church for the rest of my life, and I want to go start a business and make a lot of money and support the ministry financially and, and, and be a great soul winner and be a great servant. Hey, I, that, I'd be okay with that. I'd be fine with that. I don't have an agenda, and we ought not to have an agenda that we're trying to push our children into. So the first thing we see is Isaac pushing his agenda into his son. But let me show you the second uh, dysfunctional member here. Go, go back to Genesis 27. Look at verse 5. 
Genesis 27 and verse 5, notice what the Bible says. And Rebekah, that's Isaac's wife, that's Esau and Jacob's mother, and Rebekah heard when Isaac spake to Esau, because they're having the secret meeting, but she hears it. What's going on? And she heard what Isaac spake to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah, notice, and Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savor meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now, let's, let's give Rebekah just a little bit of credit, okay? She might be justifying this in her own mind. Because remember, she's the one that inquired of the Lord. And she's the one that God said, hey, the elder shall serve the younger. And she overhears this. And she says, wait a minute, this isn't right. The blessing is not supposed to go to Esau. It's supposed to go to Jacob. But here's where she messes up. Instead of going to her husband and saying, hey, listen, Isaac, can, can, can we have a talk? I, I, I just, I didn't mean to, but I just happened to overhear you say that you wanted to bless Esau before you die. And look, you, you and I both know that God said that the blessing goes to Jacob. You know, I don't think this is right. Maybe we should seek God's will in this matter. Maybe we should pray in this matter. And here's the thing. It, it, Isaac might have got mad and get upset and said, well, you, I'm not going to listen to you. But here's the thing. Rebecca would have done her duty. But here's where she messed up when she decided to manipulate the situation. And when she decided, here's what she decided to do. She decided to prioritize her relationship with her children above her relationship with her husband. Notice what she does. Look at verse, look at verse 6. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, uh, I'm sorry, skip down to verse number 8. We already read verse 6 and 7. Now therefore, notice, now therefore my son, talking to Jacob, obey my voice, Rebekah, according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me, this is Rebecca speaking, from thence two good kids of the goats, and I, this is Rebecca speaking, will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou, she's speaking to Jacob, shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee, speaking to Jacob, before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is an hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him to be a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, not a blessing. Look at verse 13. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment, of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. And here's a question I have for you. Whose idea is this? Rebecca. Now, Jacob has no excuse, and Jacob ends up reaping what he sowed for the, the rest of his life. But here you've got a mother. Here you've got a mother who decided that it's more important for her to have a relationship and to, in her mind, do right by her son than it is to have a proper relationship with her husband. And listen to me. Dysfunctional families will be families where the relationships are not prioritized properly. There, if you've got a family where there is a father or there is a mother that puts more priority on the children than they do on the spouse, that is a dysfunctional family. 
That family is not going to work. I remember I used to work with a, with, with a person, and uh, they, they told me when their uh, baby was born that the husband was very, very clear, you know, um, I, I, you know, my whole life is about this son, and I love my son more than I love you, speaking to his wife, you know, and, and it was like the wife became the second-class citizen. That's, that's not a good relationship. And, and, you know, people don't like you teaching these things or saying these things, but there are priorities when it comes to relationship. And listen to me, it's your marriage first, your children second. It's God first, your marriage second, your children third. Your marriage and the relationship, there ought not ever be a situation where it's mom and child versus dad or dad and child versus mom. Listen to me, mom and dad, there ought to always be a united front about you against the children. And I don't mean that in a mean way. Obviously, we love our children. But there, you look, my children should never think, my children should never think that they can come between me and my wife. The priority in the relationship is, is our children. In fact, you know, in marriage, you, you ought to have a goal. In marriage, you ought to have a goal that you will raise your children in a way that when your children are gone, you still love each other. And you still care for each other. And you still, have, look, your children are going to leave someday, but that, that person you married, if you follow the Bible, it's still death do us part. And, and sometimes we disagree, and sometimes dad overreacts, or sometimes mom does something and dad thinks that's not the way we should deal with it. Those things need to be dealt with in private. Those things need to be dealt with away from the children. But as far as the kids are concerned, they ought to know that mom and dad have a united front. And whenever you allow the wrong relationship to take precedence over a more important relationship, you're going to have a dysfunctional family. And let me just give you a priorities list because I think people don't really understand this. Here's the priorities list from the Bible. God first. And all things, he should have the preeminence. That's what the Bible says. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God comes first before anything. God comes first before your wife, husband. God comes first before your husband, wife. God comes first before your children, parents. God comes first before your career or your job or your money. God comes first in every area of life. But after God, listen to me, after God, the priority is your spouse. And you'll see a lot of husbands who will say, well, of course my wife is my priority. But then they, you know, it's like they're, they're in love with their job, you know, or something. And listen to me, we have to make sure that our spouse, it's God first, it's God first. But you have to make sure your wife or your husband is the second priority, then your children, then, then, then your church service. And let, let me make something real clear, your church service, I'm not talking about your, your I'm talking about the volunteering work you do at church, that, that's the priority it comes in. I didn't say your church attendance, your church attendance is part of your relationship with God. God commanded you to be in church. You say, well, well, should I come to church if my wife doesn't want to come? Yes. Should I come to church if my husband doesn't want to come? Yes. God comes first. We put God first in everything. But you don't have to necessarily do all the extra, you know, be an usher and show up an hour early and stay an hour late. I appreciate all the ushers that show up an hour early, stay an hour late. I appreciate everybody that drives the van. I appreciate everybody that cleans. I appreciate, but, but if that service is coming between you and your wife, then put your wife first. Or you and your husband, then put your husband first. And then, and then comes work. The work is, you say, well, man, work, I, I've got, look, God, God can take care of you. 
That's what the whole seeking first the kingdom of God is all about. It's about taking care of you financially. And look, and listen to me, and let, let me make this clear, because you start getting into these, these things, and then people want to quote you and use your own words against you. I understand that there are seasons in life. I understand that there are seasons in life when sometimes the priorities get a little shaken up, and we get that. There are times when men have to work. Just, I mean, I know in, in different types of businesses, there are certain seasons of the year where it's just like, I'm working 60 hours a week, and that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, right now, we're, we're getting that building ready. And many of you and, many, and myself included, I mean, I'm working all day long, doing everything that I normally do as a pastor and going to these work days in the evening. And many of you are doing the same thing, and we get that. And if you do that for two or three weeks, that's fine. But I'm talking about, you know, years and years and years and years and years where you're just at the office 12 hours a day. That is not healthy for your family. And you need to make sure you prioritize your family properly. So what do we see in a dysfunctional family? We see Isaac pushing his agenda onto his son. We see Rebecca prioritizing her children above her marriage. Let me give you a third one. Go back to Genesis 27. Look at verse 18. Genesis 27 and verse number 18. Genesis 27, verse 18. And we understand there are seasons in life where things get harder or things get stronger. There are certain businesses that it's just, this is a business. This is a time when we're busy. I was talking to somebody a couple days ago. They were saying, we, they're telling me, we make, all, we make basically all the money that we make in the year. Most of that is made in the month of December. And I get that. We understand that. But we need to make sure we have our priorities straight. We need to make sure we keep our priorities right. Look down at verse number 18, Genesis 27. And he came unto his father and said, my father, and he said, here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, notice it's Jacob, he says, I'm Esau, thy firstborn. That's the first lie. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, how is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. That's a pretty, that's lie number two, by the way, and that's a pretty big lie. And he says, well, God brought it to me. And you know what I've noticed? People often say, oh, and God's the one. You know, it's like, God provided me this great job, Pastor. I'm never going to come to church, and i got to sell alcohol, you know, at a, at a casino, but God gave me the job. And I'm like, I don't think God gave you that job. I think that's what God wants. He said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Look at verse 21. And Isaac said unto Jacob, come near, I pray thee. That I may feel thee. Oh, people say, oh, this is the wife that God brought me. It's like, but you're already married. Well, I know this is the one he wants me. No, no, he wants you to stay with the one you're with. And Isaac said unto Jacob, come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son. Now notice, Isaac has questions. He says, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father. And he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not. Because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? He asked him again, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. Line number three. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Skip down to verse, uh, 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 well, go, 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 go up to verse number 11. I want to show you something real quickly. But here's what I want you to notice. We saw, number one, Isaac was pushing his agenda into his sons. We saw, number two, Rebecca was prioritizing her children above her marriage. Point number three, Jacob was plotting to deceive his family. Jacob was plotting to deceive his family. Jacob is a fake. He's a liar. In fact, that's what his name means. It means deceiver. It means a supplanter. That's what the Bible tells us. And here, he's planning to deceive. He's planning 
to lie. I, and think about the things that he does. I mean, they go and get a, 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 a lamb, and they kill it, and they take the, 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 the wool from that sheep, and they put it on his hands and on his arms and on his neck so that his, son, his father, who's going blind, could feel him and think this is Esau. Now, look, Esau, Esau had to have been a sight to see. You know what I mean? I mean, he had to have been an, uh, an odd-looking guy. I mean, if you and I saw Esau today, we'd be like, Sasquatch, you know? I mean, good night. To put, to put all the, 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 the wool off a sheep on your neck? And have dad be like, yep, that's my son. You know, I mean, that's, that's quite a sight there. But, but he goes through this, and, he deceives, and he's asked, are you Esau? And he says, I'm Esau. Are you sure? Because you sound like Jacob. He's like, no, 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 I'm Esau. And he lies, and he deceives, and he plots to deceive his family. And notice what he, and you know, here's what, here's what you know about deceivers and liars. And, and, and here's the thing about Jacob. He gets right with God eventually, and God changes his name says, you're not a deceiver anymore. You're a prince with, 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 the, with the power of God. But, but look at verse 11. Notice what Jacob says. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will fill me. Notice what he says. Notice what he says. Your words will reveal your heart. He says, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. He says, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I, I wrote in my Bible, uh, off to the side, I put, no, you are a deceiver. You, you won't seem like a deceiver. You are a deceiver. But you know what people who are more, what, that are deceiving and plotting to deceive their family, you know what they're more interested in? They are more interested in what they look like than what they really are. He's not worried about being a deceiver. He just doesn't want to look like a deceiver. He's not worried about being a liar. He just doesn't want to seem like a liar. He just doesn't want to seem like a deceiver. He just wants to make sure that the, that the facade is played and that the game is played and that he doesn't get caught. He just said, I want to make sure that I don't seem like a deceiver to my dad. What's the third characteristic we see here in the dysfunctional family? When Jacob was plotting to deceive his family, he did the one thing that will hurt any relationship more than any other. Whether it's a husband or wife, father and children, mother and children, employer, employee, whatever relationship it is, he crossed a line where he lost the trust of his father. And once your trust is broken, listen to me very carefully, once trust is broken, it's nearly impossible to regain. In fact, it almost never happens. And for the rest of your life, I mean, God had to literally change his name and change his identity to say that Jacob, Jacob, is a different man. You know what you find in dysfunctional families? You will find a family member who has lost trust from his wife or husband or parents or employers. And he was more interested in not looking like a deceiver and not looking like a deceiver, then be a deceiver. And oftentimes you talk to people after the trust has already been broken and, and, and you counsel with them or you try to help them and, and you say, well, what, what can we do? And there's not, there's not anything you can do. Once the trust is gone, it's gone. 
And maybe if you do right and, and confess and, and, and repent and, and live right for years and years and years, maybe, maybe some of that can be regained. Some of that may never be regained in certain situations. But I just want to tell those of you that may have not lost that trust, teenager who's plotting to deceive mom, before you do that, before you deceive dad, before you deceive your spouse, before you deceive your employer, before you cross that line where the trust is broken, just know that the most valuable asset to a relationship is trust. And once it's lost, it can almost never be regained. So Jacob, be really careful. Be really careful to make sure that you are who you say you are and that you're not just concerned with what you seem to be. I heard somebody say, I can't even remember what sermon it was or what lesson, but I was listening to somebody, and they said this. I remember when they said this, I wrote it down, and it, it hit me in, in my heart. And they said, your goal, your goal in life, from whatever position you find yourself in, husband, wife, pastor, church member, your goal in life should be that you are respected by those who know you the best. That you are respected by those who know you the best. Because it's easy for us to fool those who don't know us very well. Your goal as a dad is to be respected by those who know you the best. Your goal as a mom is to be respected the most by those who know you the best. That ought to be your goal. My, my goal is that my children would respect me. My wife's goal is that my children would respect me, not based on what they see on YouTube, not based on what they see on the news, not based on what they see from behind the pulpit, but because they know us the best. They respect us the best. And Jacob lost that. And dysfunctional families lose that. Let me give you the fourth one. We'll be done. Go back to Genesis 27, look at verse 30. We saw number one, Isaac was pushing his agenda unto his son. We saw number two, Rebecca was prioritizing her children above her marriage. We saw number three, Jacob was plotting to deceive his family. Number four, Esau was living a profane life. Esau was living a profane life. Notice verse 30. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet, yet scarce out of the presence of Isaac, his father. That Isaac, his brother, came in from his hunting. And he also made savory meat and brought it unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said unto him, Who art thou? And he said, I am thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said, Who? Where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me, and have eaten of all before thou camest, and have blessed him, yea, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he, notice how Esau responds, he cried, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry, and said unto his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, thy brother came with subtlety, talking about skillfully deceiving, and had taken away thy blessing. And he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. The word supplant means to take the place of, or to take the place of another by scheming or strategy. He says, He hath supplanted me these two times. He hath taken away my birthright. And here's the thing, Esau, he didn't take away anything. You sold your birthright. And we always remember things a little different. He took away my birthright. No, no, you sold it to him. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. That's true. And he said, 
Has thou not reserved a blessing for me? Keep your place there in Genesis 27. We're almost done. Go, go to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. Let me show you something real quickly. I think I've showed you this before, but let's just look at it real quickly. Hebrews chapter number 12. Esau was living a profane life. Hebrews 12 tells us that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 16. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 16. When you get there, keep your place there. We're going to leave it and come right back to it. Hebrews chapter 12, look at verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, after what? After he sold his birthright. Remember the story? He sold his birthright. He came in from hunting. He was hungry. Jacob said, here's some soup. And he's like, but uh, you got some of your birthright? And he says, fine. The Bible says he despised his birthright. Verse 17. For ye know how that afterward, after he had sold his birthright, when he would have, he would have. See, he, he could have lost the birthright, but he didn't have to lose the blessing. When he would have inherited the blessing, Isaac could have still blessed him. He didn't, couldn't have had the Abrahamic blessing, but he could have had a blessing. He was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully. And you say, what, what, what can we learn from this? Here's what we can learn. Esau made a calculated choice. He chose, he decided, I will sell my birthright for a morsel of meat. My lust desires something. My flesh desires something. And I'm willing to make a trade. I mean, he must have thought to himself, okay, uh, let's see. There's two brothers. The, the, the birthright is two portions of whatever's, whatever's uh, my dad has. So, you know, we're going to take the inheritance, divide it by three, and I'll get the, the, whoever has the birthright will get two-thirds, and whoever doesn't get the birthright gets one-third because there's just two of us to share it. He's probably looking around and saying, well, my dad's pretty wealthy. I mean, even if I only get one-third, I mean, that's still pretty good. I'm going to take the calculated risk, and I'm going to go ahead and sell my birthright. I'm going to sell my birthright. I'm going to fulfill my lust. I'm going to eat the soup, and I'm going to sell it because all I'm going to lose is two portions. That's what Esau thought. But what he didn't know is that God looked down and said, No, Esau, when you chose to sell the birthright, I chose to reject you from the blessing. See, sin will always cost you more than you're willing to pay. It'll keep you longer than you're willing to stay. Sin will always come with a bigger price tag than you think it is. And we can make these calculated choices and we can say, well, if I do this and if I do that and if I can get away with this and I think it might be worth it and children will often do this. They'll say, well, if I eat that cookie, I know I'm going to get a spanking, but, you know, mom and dad are kind of busy. The spanking might not be that long and I might, might be, and they calculate. And you and I do that as adults. Just realize, just realize that sin always costs you more. Listen, kids, fornication will cost you more than you think you're willing to give up. He lived a profane life, and here's a problem with Christians who live a profane life is they hurt the other family members. Try pastoring for a while. You have to deal with these family members, and a wife decided to live a profane life, and now the husband has to reap with that wife, or a husband decided to go down a road that he should not have, and here you've got a wife who's living right and doing right, and she's just following God, and she's trying to do it right, but she has to reap the same sin of her husband. Or you've got children who choose to go down a road, and now you've got a mom and a dad who worry, and it pains them, and it hurts them, because sin always affects those around 
And Esau, you say, well, Esau was the innocent one in the story. I mean, he was supposed to get the blessing. It was stolen from him. But Esau wasn't that innocent because he was living a profane life. Because he chose to fornicate. He chose to marry women. The Bible's very clear about this, that he wasn't supposed to. And God said, when you chose to give up the birthright, I chose to take away the blessing. Go back to Genesis chapter 26. Keep your place in Hebrew. We're going to come right back to it. Go back to Genesis uh, 26. Let me just show you a couple of things about Esau, and then uh, we'll look at something in Hebrews again, and, and we'll, be, we'll be done. Uh, Genesis chapter number 26. L- look at verse number 34. I just want you to see a little bit of Esau's profane life. Genesis 26 and verse number 34. Genesis 26 and verse 34. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Bashamath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite, which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. See, he said, why? It doesn't matter who I marry, but it was a grief of mind to mom and dad. Go, you're, you're, you're there in Genesis 26. Flip, flip over to Genesis 28. Look at verse number 8. Genesis 28, verse number 8. Genesis 28 and verse 8. Genesis 28 and verse 8. The Bible says, And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau unto Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebajoth, to be his wife. So you see him just choosing. He wants to do things that upset his parents because he's mad, because he's backslidden. So we see Isaac pushing his agenda unto his son. Go, go, to Hebrew, go, go back to Hebrews uh, chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. We see Isaac pushing his agenda into his son. We see Isaac trying to push his son into a mold that is not the mold that God gave him. And that creates dysfunctional families. We see Rebecca choosing to prioritize, to prioritize wrongly and put her children above her marriage. And, and you know, let, 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 me, let me make it clear because you know, whenever you deal with ministry, you deal with so many aspects of things, and people just want to take what you say out of context. Let, let me say this, and I, and I said it already, but I just want to emphasize it again. There are seasons of life that are busy. We get that. I mean, there are times in ministry when we're just a little more busy than other times. You know, come, come see my schedule around Easter and, uh, and Family Friend Day, and it's a busy time. There's other times when there's not as much going on, you know, and, and husbands or wives Understand that. There are seasons when we're busy. There are times when work gets picked up. There are times when this is just when we're busy in our business. And ladies, you know, don't, don't nag at your husbands for those things. But husbands, make sure that though there are seasons when we're busy, make sure there are also seasons when we're not busy. There are times when we work late, and there are uh, times when we focus on our family. And, and we, we got to have that balance, and especially right now, I feel compelled to say this because we're keeping a lot of your husbands out late, you know, working in this building and all the things, and there's that, you know, uh, a tendency to want to say, well, you know, hey, be glad he's not at the bar. No, be glad he's not, you know, some wives are just like, I don't know where my husband, you know, goes after work. Be glad he's at the church house. It could be a lot worse, but just realize, husbands, realize that there are seasons when we have to make shifts, and we get that. Even wives, there are seasons. There are times when our children may need more attention from us than other times. There are times when our church may need more attention from us than other times. There are times when our wife or our husband may need more attention than other times. But let's make sure we keep a balance in those priorities. 
Jacob was plotting to deceive his family. Deceiving, lying. Will always ruin relationships. Trust, the, 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 miss, the loss of trust will always ruin any relationship. Any relationship. I don't care if it's your dog. Once he bites you, you know, it's just kind of like you're never the same. You know what I mean? It, you always lose the trust. And then Esau was living a profane life. I want to show you something interesting about this story, though. Because it's kind of depressing when you read the story and you get into all that and you're like, whoa, this family's messed up. This reminds me of, you know, some of you, not me, but some of you, it's like, this reminds me of growing up. You know, reminds me of my family. My family was a good family. I'm thankful for my family. I mean, we had issues, but uh, none of them were me. Uh, Hebrews 11, look at verse 20. I'm just kidding. Hebrews 11, look at verse 20. Once you notice something God says about this story, Genesis, uh, Genesis 27, notice what he says. So we got the whole story, right? We saw Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau and everything that's going on, the big old dysfunctional family. Once you notice how God, what, God gives us one verse about this story and this event, and I want you to notice what God says, Hebrews 11 and verse 20. He says this, by faith, by faith, and keep in mind, this is Hebrews 11, this is a hall of faith, this is where you get all the great things that these people did, and by faith they did this, and by faith they did that. Hebrews 11:20 says of this story, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And you kind of read that and you're like, what? By faith? He didn't even know he was blessing Jacob. I mean, even, I mean, this family is so messed up. But God, are you going to tell us that this was good? Are you going to tell us that this was right? Are you going to tell us that this is how you wanted it to play out? And the answer is no. That's not how God wanted it to play out. But the answer is this. God is able to take all your dysfunction and turn it out for good. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. Amen. To them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, here's what I want you to know. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for good. Because you might look at the story and say, I already messed up. I've already lost trust. I've or, I, my kids are growing. I, I wish I would have heard this sermon, you know, 20 years ago. Or I, I wish I would have heard this uh, 20 weeks ago. Or, you know, I've already made the mistake. It's already dysfunction. It's already a problem. You say, can, can God do anything with this? God can take all of that and look back at it and say, by faith. By faith. Jacob blessed. Or Isaac blessed Jacob. And Esau. Because God can take your dysfunction, and God can take your sin, and God can take your mistakes, and God can take all those things that are not good and work them together for good. So don't get discouraged. Be like Paul, forgetting those things which are behind. Say, why? Because there's nothing you can do about it. Reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for these chapters in the Bible that we can dissect. And we know that these stories had to have been written by God because man would not write these stories and be this true about human nature. Lord, I pray you'd help all of us. Help us, Lord, to learn with our children to prepare them but not push them. Help us to keep proper priorities. Realizing that from time to time, there may be seasons in life that are a little more busy than others, but help us to keep our priorities balanced. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to walk in integrity and truth, to not be hypocrites, 
to be more concerned with who we really are than who we seem to be. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to realize that our sin always affects others. And our sin always costs us more than we were wanting to pay. Lord, help us from this day forward, from this moment on, to try to not live in dysfunction. If there's anything that we're adding to the dysfunction of our families, help us to correct those. Help us, like we talked about this morning, not to just receive the information, but then to receive the application. And help us, Lord, to have transformed families. In your precious name I pray. Amen.